Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for October 3rd, 2021, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost in year B. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And Bruce, how are you? I am well, thank you. Good. Uh, yeah, we, uh, well is exactly, uh, you know, I will take well. Uh, you, <laughs> you had not been well. Uh, I'm yeah, glad to hear that I, you are well. Unfortunately, I was only sick for two or three days, but unfortunately it fell right over the weekend. So I missed yeah. the Sunday and yeah. that was a big bummer. And, 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 and a podcast, but you know what? Uh, I yeah. had a lot of fun, uh, recording with Kathy. Um, so so uh, I pass off to her and appreciate uh, her spending the time and putting up with my nonsense. Well, what was a hoot was, you know, I, I had to set up the technical side in our house. I mean, and this is where we've been podcasting now for months and months and months. So it's easy to do. And so I had her all set up and you two started. And then she looked up at me with this queenly expression and flicked her wrist twice for me to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's all my, you may my go my role was done off with you off with you keep uh, the dogs from barking good and good. you'll see me in an hour you know humility is a very powerful tool um yes. <laughs> and, and 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 a very good one uh my wife would say uh <laughs> <laughs> on the rare occasions she sees it from you or your daughter uh, right exactly 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 um we're the most humble people you've ever met. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the uh, I, I am glad that you are uh, feeling better. You're doing well. Yeah. Uh, and um, we are uh, at, at the top of the podcast. Well, I guess we should promote that uh, this Sunday is our uh, pet blessing Sunday. Uh, yeah. Or, or uh, in my case, uh, cat exorcism Sundays. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So just to be clear, that's not me trying to exercise the uh, the soul of a cat out of my body. That is trying to <laughs> exercise a demon out of my cat. So just just to just to clarify, um, yeah, that's almost a redundancy to say demon out of a cat. <laughs> right, right. It's where they're all born <laughs> before they make the jump, the leap. Yeah, yeah. Let's get all Salemly witch trials here. <laughs> But, but anyway, uh, yes, we will be blessing all animals, not just demonic ones, um, at the <laughs> 10 o'clock service. If the weather's nice, we'll be at the outdoor chapel. If the mm -hmm. weather, um, basically, if there's any um, danger of thunderstorms, we'll move inside into the church. Okay. But either way, we'll bless them animals. And if you have something large that you want to leave in the car or uncontrollable, I'll be happy to walk to the cars, especially since that's adjacent to the chapel and mm -hmm. bless your creature there yeah uh get, what what about this pet blessing sunday why do we do this what, what's the uh what's ah, the correlation st francis it's, uh yes tell us about he's not my person of the day so uh why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about <laughs> so it? for extra credit on my report card um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. october 4th is st francis saint's day mm -hmm. and so the closest sunday to that we try to do a pet blessing because St. Francis was one of those saints who reminded us of the importance of all of creation. Mm 
and that God was not just concerned with the human race, but with everything. Um, so there are all sorts of different legends and uh, such about St. Francis's interaction with both domestic and wild animals, and consequently is at least um, even just in sort of secular society seen as a patron saint for animals. There's so many St. Francis bird baths and things like that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that we do try to say, no, this, this really is religious and true. And so let's bless how, and thank God for how these animals uh, are a major positive force in our lives. So is this Francis of Assisi or this? Yes. Is... Okay. Francis okay. of Assisi. Okay. Uh, and you said legend. Uh, is, is, well, is, are he's there such some... a famous saint that there's some, um, there's a, a legend that he um, was able to talk with animals and things mm. like that, that um, probably aren't true. Um, so, I mean, yeah, but they I, make good stories. I, I, I mean, we all talk to animals. The, the question is whether or not they talk back, right? He Yes, he could converse with animals is a better way to put it. I gotcha. Yeah. So he was the original Dr. Doolittle. Right. Okay. Right. Gotcha. And I wonder if he was actually the... No, maybe Noah was. But no, it doesn't say Noah talked. He just said he led them into the <laughs> Right, right. I'll save all these animals, but I don't have to like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know your name. Get in there. <laughs> that was Adam's job. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Right, uh, but uh, but yeah. So um, I wonder if Doctor Doolittle was a uh, was a bit of a, a an inspiration coming out of uh, Saint Francis in some way. That'd Quite be, possibly. I mean, it's, interesting. it's certainly been one of the human fantasies for centuries. I'm not entirely uh, sure I would want that fantasy to come true for me. <laughs> well, I I always love those jokes and cartoons and such where. You know, oh, you can finally talk to your dog. And all the dog has to say is, food, food, food. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hear uh, what the squirrel is thinking. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's... <laughs> Noise, They talk sound, too fast flash. for you to understand them. <laughs> right. Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, that, that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be uh, a tremendous yes. amount of fun. Um, to roll back to what we're talking about, the <laughs> blessing... <laughs> The Blessing Animal Service is purposely designed to be much shorter so that the mm -hmm. animals uh, can get through it more easily. The first half of the service is the blessing of the animals. Second half of the service is the Holy Eucharist. And um, the Eucharist part is abbreviated as well. Uh, so, But if your animal can only make it through the part that's for the animal, that's fine if you uh, go ahead and leave before mm -hmm. we start the Eucharist part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So does that mean that there's no homily? Homily's extremely short. I'll gotcha. go something like this. Woo! Meow! <laughs> Tweet! <laughs> Up! I gave it away. Yeah. God made the animals, and God saw that it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Walk in love. No. <laughs> so... I don't mean to steal your thunder, uh, um, but uh, but yeah. So that well, uh, then then this is our this is our moment to get our our, our more deep dive then on the on the readings. Uh, uh, yeah, this week. which will not be the ones we use on Sunday. So oh, they're not. Oh well, right. then we really need to because the, the readings on Sunday are so short mm -hmm. that you know the podcast would be twenty minutes long. So there are those. Who would who not would say who would oh. <laughs> finally 
There are those who would who would say to us, finally. Yes. <laughs> 20 minutes is the max I could take of you. <laughs> well, uh, uh, and, and to indulge those folks uh, a little bit, let's uh, move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, as, uh, real quick, uh, in regards to that, uh, we will try to uh, put, if it is outdoors, we will try to put some of that on our, on our YouTube channel, Outdoor Chapel, obviously a little bit harder to control for uh, live broadcasts, but we will uh, endeavor to do our best to bring some portion of that uh, to to be able to be viewed later, just in case you couldn't make it for, for your, uh, for your, or v- viewed live. Yeah. Yeah. Live yeah. or later. So, uh, probably the later is easier to promise and we'll mm-hmm. do our best with the live. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Uh, okay. like I said, outdoor, always tricky. Uh, yeah. indoor, we, we designed it for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, let's move on to our person of the day to our person of the day is Joseph Francis, Fletcher. Fletcher or Letcher? Fletcher with an F. Fletcher. That's mm-hmm. probably better. Mm-hmm. Nope. Drawing a blank. Uh, American leading proponent of situation ethics, which I... Oh, okay. That's I, why. I, I, I want to I know what that means. Uh, you're ethical, but only in certain situations. Uh, long story short, uh, at, uh, East Coaster uh, out of Newark, New Jersey, um, uh, BA from uh, West Virginia, uh, 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 BD from Berkeley, um, uh, also then uh, Priest, uh, St. Mary's in Raleigh, uh, but he, getting down into subsequently the, the um, Dean of the Graduate School of Applied Religion in Cincinnati from 1936 to 1944, and subsequently called the Episcopal Theology School, Cambridge. Um, oh, was, they moved to Cam- I didn't know they started in Cincinnati. Okay. Apparently, apparently. Uh, so while at ETS, uh, successfully uh, assisted professor of pastoral theology and social studies uh, uh, for a period of nine years, professor of Christian ethics for a few years, pro- professor of uh, social ethics for, what is that, 20, uh, nearly 20 years, 15 years. I, I, I do math. Uh, I do math very badly. Um, <laughs> He was uh, after his retirement from ETS in '87. He was appointed professor of medical ethics. Like this guy is touching every aspect of methics, uh, ethics he poss- <laughs> possibly could. Ethics. Methics. Um, he he also wrote uh, major publications called Morals and Medicine in 1954. Uh, wrote on William Temple. He wrote a book called Situation Ethics, uh, uh, colon, The New Morality in 1966. And then another colon book, <laughs> Moral Responsibility, <laughs> Situation Ethics at Work in, in 67. Um, Morals and Medicine was a series of discussions of critical ethical issues in healthcare. It was the basis for his utilitarian ethical theory, which he expanded in his later two books on situation ethics. His critics accused him of destroying all ethics by relativizing principles for the guidance of conduct. Fletcher was a significant figure in the post-World War II ethical debates on the roles of deeds and rules in the moral life. He exerted a widespread influence in the medical and ethical community. So it didn't really give me a satisfying answer as to what situation ethics might Mm -hmm. be. And I was wondering if you happen to know. Yeah. Um, 
it's hard not to be pejorative uh, for myself about situational ethics. Well, you could uh, do the pejorative and then try to give it a non-pejorative answer. <laughs> try to walk it back a bit. Uh, so starting to, and, and this is the non-pejorative start. Okay. Um, the, the field of ethics across the board, religious or secular, was shattered by World War II. Mm. That um, there had been a belief in the evolution of human ethical life, that things were getting better and better. And Hitler blew that out of the water mm. um, with both how he, he waged war by bombing civilian targets and the um, extermination of millions of people, especially of Jews, that that did not fit into the ethical universe that mm -hmm. was most popularly being envisioned in the 1930s and before. Mm. So World War II ended, the universities started to reopen as universities and the seminaries um, instead of just as prep centers for uh, war. And they kind of looked at each other and said, how do we work this out? They also were dealing with lots of veterans who were in combat and did things they never imagined that they would do. Um, to to survive and mm -hmm. to follow orders and things like that on all sides of the conflict. And so one of the primary, no, not one of the primary, but one of, one of the approaches that got a lot of traction and publicity was situational ethics. Mm -hmm. Because it basically said, look, we do have ideals, but if we only try to live by those ideals, we will not know what to do in situations those ideals never imagined. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So this is more like, and rather than calling it situational ethics, this is more of theoretical ethics. Well, and that's, it's proponents were try, try to say, no, it's not that we're, what failed the world was theoretical ethics. And if we had had a robust situational ethics rooted in the practical every day, perhaps people would have said no to, mm. to, to you shorthand, would have said no to Hitler. But mm. that they were so trained in ideals by religion and universities and um, the political realm that someone who so totally ignored all the ethical rules was beyond what they could deal with gotcha just wasn't weren't, weren't able to handle yeah they didn't have the tools yeah no. um yeah like it like with germany um they had a very strong ethic about being a good citizen mm -hmm. and how can you be a good citizen and advocate the overthrow of the lawful um ruler dictator because mm -hmm. because he was lawfully put in place he just broke all the rules once he was put in place right um and the people who per, who developed the ideas around such situ situational ethics said look we these people need to be trained ethically so that they knew at times it was going to be to to use the almost stereotypical ethical question at times it would be good to murder 
your national leader in order to stop the evil. Hmm. And and that that was mind blowing to extreme traditionalists. Well, yeah. Yeah, that makes uh that makes some sense. Okay, so that that and that makes sense as to where they were coming from too. I would imagine yeah. that um uh societally after World War 1 and things, you know, getting uh like you would have to imagine that it would be like okay, well that's probably about as bad as it could ever get. Yeah. And you know, it was World War 1 was called the war to end all wars. Right. Or it was simply called the war. I mean, they they didn't know they were going to have to start numbering these things right right um yeah so without that context it just sounds like people want to do whatever they want to do which is how his char- situational ethics was characterized um as it became more popularly known and you know on time magazine covers and things like that in the um and and sort of wrapped into the 60s counterculture mm-hmm. movements even though, uh, as you can tell by that guy's biography, it well predated that. Uh, right. So like with a lot of um, theoretical academic measures, it got dumbed down for the popular culture. And therefore, in part, out of that became um, pretty unpopular. By the time I was in seminary in the early 80s, it was basically said, you know, you're welcome to read this, but it's it's so 1950s. Mm. Uh, we really have moved beyond this in terms of being able to have ambiguity within ethics and um, still be able to have ultimate, I, I think the term that was used, ultimate good that society should be working towards, mm-hmm. even as it's pragmatic about how to get there and how to shift gears very quickly hmm. yeah it'd be it would uh th- there's there's one side of me that would be very fascinated to um um dig in deeper on 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 this especially the the line about his critics accusing him of destroying all the ethics by relativizing principles for the guidance of conduct um yeah. Finding out what it is he wrote and what his critics then had to say about it, and then his response back, and you know that would be an interest, a very interesting deep dive, uh, and would probably be informative as to uh, to to reveal where we are on the road on on ethical studies uh, today. Uh, so if yeah. you're an ethics major, um, might There's be might s- be an interesting uh, review. Well, and he was um, very um, cutting edge in medical ethics mm. which un- until the technologies of post-world war ii could be very simplistic yeah oh that's and, a good point know, um but you know, now suddenly we could keep people alive who we could not keep alive before should we um suddenly we could save um suddenly we could do transplants i mean this mm-hmm. was now to the 1960s we could do transplants who should get them who should not um and so uh, most major hospitals now actually have ethics boards mm-hmm. that review the medical decisions of their staffs, um, sometimes um, ahead of time, sometimes afterwards, so they can learn from situations. Because um, frequently, 
medical personnel have to make very complex ethical decisions in which simply in, in which a simplistic ethic doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. that, you know, do no harm well what does that mean now right yeah that's an that's that's an interesting question to be posed yeah a lot of medical shows uh, fictionalize it and you know squish it down to a 60 minute episode with commercials but those um conversations are very in-depth and i'm happy to say that's been part of my continuing education is medical ethics Hmm. um, so that i can help parishioners think through some of these things when they face them yeah i kind of get the feeling for a person of the day that the um the the medical side of things may have always been his um his his focus because his first book morals and medicine was written in 54 and that was in the middle of his tenure at ets uh Mm -hmm. not being a professor of medical ethics uh not not even really touching the subject he's in the middle of christian ethics and social ethics which uh, you know play into it but not certainly not the, the the main focus of of uh what he was teaching so um and then after his retirement, that's when he, he delved back into medical ethical studies uh, at the Virginia Medical School. So kind of an interesting, yeah, and that's interesting the, window into his life as to he was he was one of the pioneers. He was one of the pioneers in medical schools having that as part of their curriculum. Mm. Interesting. And the, all the good ones have it now. No, I can't say all of them do, but all the good ones do. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, that's our person of the day, Joseph Francis Fletcher, uh, 1905 to 1991. So uh, um, uh, not too terribly long ago. Uh, and uh, that was uh, his contributions to uh, societal efforts, uh, to, to, to the, the, the ethics that we know today. Well, let's move on to our first reading, which is Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman for out of man, this one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife and they became, they become one flesh. Um, so immediately I was actually struck by the early part of this reading, imagining Adam trying to uh, utilize one of the animals God created as his partner and <laughs> how horribly wrong it was. Like it, it went and like was not helpful that, you know, um, that the bunny rabbit uh, was constantly like running off and, <clears throat> not helping name all these uh all, all these animals well yeah bill you know, ha- come back here <laughs> half the animals were called roof <laughs> right. um and and then the other the other the other thought i had about that section is 
whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Um, I would love to know whether or not, uh, uh, I, I know this is not, not, not probably a thing, but I would love to know how many of those, what those names were and how ridiculous they might've been. Like you look at it and like, really? You call the animal that? <laughs> well, no wonder that didn't stick. <laughs> and I, and I recognize this is a story, right? This is a, this is a written down story built out of It's more like tradition. a fable. Yeah. Yeah. Than a yeah, historic yeah, yeah. account. Mm. But Bruce, it's written in the Bible. Therefore, it must be true. <laughs> it's true without being historical. Mm. I was going to use a quote from Star Wars, which was, uh, it's true from a certain point of view. But the, the great book of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Okay. I can feel actually, blasphemer that, getting like tattooed across my face. No, um, actually, I was thinking, <laughs> think it's think I have a better quote than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, sure there is, but you know, something with some Yoda. Uh, right, do syntax. or do not. There is no try. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but 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 yeah. Um, uh, so that but this is um, the. In all seriousness, there, when someone does apply to biblical writings, um, just the the absolutism of if it's written, then it's true. Um, the the latter half of this reading it, uh, creates uh, basically kind of helps create the patriarchy, does it not? Ah, no. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> tell me Which, why. Which, of course, many women say baloney uh, <laughs> if we were uh, it it's almost a cliche but um it is an accurate interpretation that the the reason that the woman is formed from a rib is to show that this is a, a person of equal standing okay okay um and that this is supposed to be a partnership okay so the, literally the, literally side by side god uh, uh, i see i see i see what you did there god okay yeah all right. <laughs> all right take a rib equality side by side i got it i got it i got it okay um so um uh that is interesting uh that because <laughs> Well, because I, I, I know for a f I've met people who will like even uh, reference uh, this portion of the creation story as to um, why the man is the head of the household uh, kind of thing. Uh, so it's interesting to see where those words, uh, the, the writing gets contorted and and misunderstood. Yeah, I'm over here processing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Interesting, interesting, well, interesting. And, and it's one of these things where we have to be so careful about what is our cultural lens. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it is e way too easy to read the words and find significance in the words that reinforce our, our current standards and understandings. Gotcha. Rather than be confronted by them. Gotcha. So, so, uh, yeah. So not being, not reading the Bible with a viewpoint searching for a verse. 
Right. Gotcha. And and not opening a Bible and you know, essentially reading every other word and saying, yeah, see there. That reinforces that I'm in charge. Yeah. And and the way that uh, that uh, the man responds here, uh, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Again, reinforces the image in my head that there was like there's like this whole montage of failed animal partners. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Labradors were so close. Those Labrador right, right. retrievers. <laughs> they were very attentive and <laughs> and very organized, but it just it. <sighs> There was just a there was just a couple of matters I just couldn't couldn't get used to, and they were they were just not in the end not helpful, just not helpful. <laughs> well, and one of the interesting things um, that happens is that is that you know particularly Christians take this as yeah men get to be in charge. I mean, and I'll be blunt, bad Christians. But within <laughs> within Judaism, there's a firm belief and practice, not universal, but it's there, that Jewish lineage comes through the mother rather than through the father, oh. which institutionally gives the the females in the the mothers quite a bit of authority and status that. Yeah lack that are lacking in the strictly christian traditions that actually uh when you say it out loud that makes actually a lot of sense that lineage would follow that way yeah in my mind i mean I, i've got two kids i did not do the hard part of <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i i don't think i deserve <laughs> lineage for my work you know, it, it does not seem as though that that like, oh, yes. And, and for all this hard work, uh, the, the lineage shall be yours. Like, right. <laughs> it, that does not feel true to me. Uh, um, so that makes that actually makes a lot of sense. That's really cool um, that, that that's the, the case. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, uh, I'm not sure about the actual trans translation of this word uh, in verse 24 clings. Um but uh, in my case, it's accurate. Uh, <laughs> more of a, more of a, please don't go. <laughs> don't go. <laughs> I can't, I can't go back to trying to name animals. <laughs> With the crow. I just, I just can't. That guy it just it was so annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> but, um, um. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I feel as though that that word probably actually has more of a rich. That's usually the case, anyways, with a lot of the translations. But that word probably has a, a more rich meaning than the word clings uh, kind of gives well, us these it, days. It's it's not a bad. It's a very good translation of the Hebrew, first of okay. all. Okay. Um, and it is supposed to be. It, it, it's it's not just oh we'll build a life together mm -hmm. it, it really is supposed to be a very tight tight relationship okay mm -hmm. and um i mean some of the i'm just looking at some of the synonyms are um stick stay close cleave keep close stick to stick with follow closely join to gotcha 
So, so yeah. playing on the, the tail end of that sentence, they become one flesh so much so that they become one. Yeah. I guess the, I, I guess Again, societally Hebrews we have the word very... clingy, uh, have such negative connotations that, uh, in our yeah, individual, my vision. <laughs> yeah. In our individualistic culture, that's especially in a man is seen to be very, um, uh, undesired. Mm-hmm. Whereas within, you know, Hey, if you, if you want to pretend that this tells you you're in charge, well, you got to be clingy, dude. <laughs> what do you say to that? Right. <laughs> like I said, uh, rings very true for me. Uh, so, uh, I, I will, I will not be shy in admitting that. Uh, anything else about this, uh, Genesis reading? Um, it, it really is supposed to be a just so story as you, Hey, why do we get married mm-hmm. rather, rather than a history story Gotcha. of what happened in year negative 65, how to date it. Um, and on the rising of the sun on yeah. the 42nd day <laughs> when ducks were finally called ducks. <laughs> Actually, I believe they were called Le Quacks. Uh, anyways. Um. <laughs> yeah. it's So think of it as a fable. And has, it has lots of different layers of meaning. But mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be literal. And the primary meaning is how humans are interdependent on each other. Mm. Very cool. Well, let's move on to our second reading of the day, which is Hebrews chapter 1 through 4. And then chapter 2, 5 through 12. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, when he had made purification for sins, I read that right, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere, what are human beings that you are mindful of them or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little lower, little while lower than the angels, you have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjugation to them. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. So we're starting off here at the beginning of Hebrews. Um, yep. So let's let's talk about the book of Hebrews. Uh, Pauline, Pauline letter. 
Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, even the, the, the earliest church writers um, like Clement mm-hmm. and Origen uh, said, nah, that's not Paul. <laughs> okay. Before textual studies were a thing, they're saying it's good stuff, but it's not Paul. Not Paul. Do we have an idea as to an author? Or um, There have been guesses, including women, um, but there's no way to know. Gotcha. Uh, it it was written uh, by the content. It had to be written after sixty A.D. Okay. It's first quoted in another work in ninety five A.D. So it had to be in circulation by then. Uh, but other than that, we we don't know when. We believe it was to a congregation of Christians in Italy by a couple of references of say hi to our friends in Italy sort of thing. Huh. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And it was, there's nowhere in the letter that says it should be called the letter to the Hebrews. Then sure. Was something that was put on there by the early uh, scribe or early scribes of Bibles. He said, you know, we need a title for this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. All the Hebrews? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've done it again, Tom. You've done it again. <laughs> Master book namer. <laughs> he actually wanted it to be called Tom and figured no one would accept Hebrews. Right. The book of Tom and just does not have that ring. Out, he outsmarted himself. <laughs> They're gonna like Hebrews. <laughs> I threw that out there. I threw that out there, so they'd reject it and, and stuck. How about that? <laughs> That's interesting, though. So, 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 context clues indicating that it was uh, uh, written to a, a congregation or a community, and probably based in Italy. Yeah, it's kind of. Uh, so, so it was not you know the book to the Italians, uh, right? <laughs> and it wasn't. The, it wasn't not. It was not another letter to the Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are which were written by Paul. Um, so uh, then, my next question is: uh, We do our one-two, skip a few. Uh, what would we <laughs> would we cut out here? We we give the, our opening, um, which one could almost read uh, in kind of like a Morgan Freeman uh, kind of uh, yeah. sounding voice. Long ago, you know, uh, and. Uh, but then we like skip the whole rest of the first chapter and the beginning of the next. Uh, uh, what do we cut out? Well, the rest of the first chapter is a poem or a hymn that expounds on the, the verses we did read. So it's all about how the sun is superior to angels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the beginning of the second chapter is a, because of that, we really do have to pay attention to jesus mm-hmm. so it's it so there's a redundancy there as well okay okay so what about the, the this this uh um um section here coming out of chapter two uh, mm-hmm. all, all of this stuff about uh you know jesus and made lower than angels and where human beings fit in uh what 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 are we talking about here? Because I, I feel as though, and maybe it's just me as I 
you know, butchered reading it. Uh, but I, I feel as though it's easy to get kind of lost in um, uh, the words here. It, they're not, they're, they're, especially as we've added in all these uh, uh, after the fact commas, it looks like right. almost like a, a, a Pauline style rambling um, uh, going on. Um, um, again, uh, from my, from my point of view, I'm sure someone else reads this and goes, yeah, it made total sense to me. I don't know what your problem is, but, <laughs> um, so in that case, for me, explain to me what, what's going on here in chapter two, because there's, there, there's a lot of words. <laughs> well, it, it's, it continues the thought of the opening of the whole letter of the role of the Christ in the Godhead, in mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the role of humanity because of the Godhead choosing to become part of humanity. Mm -hmm. So, and that's one of the reasons why it's um, considered a rel relatively late letter is that it has a pretty su sophisticated Christology, mm, okay. understanding of who Jesus was. Gotcha. So it, what, what is this, um, I, as I was reading this, starting in verse six, uh, you know, someone, someone has testified somewhere, what are human beings that you're mindful of them, mortals that you should care for them. You've made them for a little while lower than the angels. Um, aren't for a little while, aren't, haven't we always been lower than the angels? I'm not entirely sure. It, well, it is, it is admittedly vague, but presumably that refers to how, when we die, we get to go to the angelic realm. Oh, okay. So this is more uh, um, the earthly with visions of the afterlife. Yeah. So, so our time here on Earth is our little while. Yeah. As we are lower than the angels, and then, and then we. Though you you can't rejoin. tell from you can't tell from the Greek because the Greek, as often is, it is plural, but it could also just be referring to the Christ. But it okay. could also be referring to all of humanity. It it works either way theologically. Okay. Okay. And just to be explicit, we don't believe as Christians that humans become angels. Angels are a completely different created order. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. I was I was kind of curious about that. And you don't need Jimmy Stewart to get your wings. That really is a shame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's good because uh, I'm, I, I never did get a chance to meet Jimmy Stewart, so <laughs> I don't want to be out of luck. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that. Um, uh, what else? So, so this is kind of talking about. Yeah, I, okay, I see. I see where you're talking about it being a, a little bit vague, and we're not entirely sure if we're talking really about uh, Christ Himself or us as a whole, uh, the humankind as a whole, which, uh, it seemed it, what, what the, the author is pointing out is Christ was, uh, part of that group, uh, as, as what, what, uh, what he's saying too. So I can see where it could be read one or two, uh, one of two ways yeah. there. Um, and, and it, it's not bad theology or spirituality to see both true simultaneously. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, that, that, that is one thing that I think we, we could always 
do well to point out yeah. uh, uh, more often that the the sometimes the the goal is just to get you to think on something. It seems uh, <laughs> yeah. when, when it when it's when it's written down. There there are, one of the things that has come through during this three year long study uh, with you has been a lot of times it seems as like as though either Jesus or an author specifically just wants to you know mix things be able to put you in a situation where things are mixed up uh and it gets you to think about it and, mm-hmm. and that, that's really the point is to to consider sides of of a coin or in in certain cases uh, uh multifaceted sides of you know i don't know like a gemstone or something that there's all yeah. these different ways to view it um and that it's okay that that, that measure of of consideration is okay and sometimes the point Um, yeah and and sometimes a a very helpful spiritual exercise is to try to hold that ambiguity mm -hmm. within oneself um, for as long as possible because our brains are always going to try to say it's one or the other it's a or b you know what's Right. right what's wrong and this is one of those times where it's good to hold both and expand our minds that way. Hmm. Um, what else about this writing from Hebrews? Um, it's often quoted, the part about you've made them for a little while lower than lower the angels. angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, in a song that I very much adore. Yeah, it's it, and that's one of the, the neat things is that even <laughs> though we have no idea who wrote it, it is beautifully written hmm. and it, it, it's not hard to translate it into beautiful English writing. The, the author is very, very skilled and creative and um, poetic in hmm. how he or she wrote. Very nice. Yeah. Well, good on, good on you, mystery writer of the book of Hebrews to the Italians, uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to the Hebrew Italians. Um, uh, Incidentally, the, one of the reasons the scribes called it Hebrews was it frequently um, refers to Jesus as the great high priest. So they said, eh, that sounds kind of Jewish. So let's call it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was that simplistic. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Analysis. Yeah. A lot of these were written by the, by the, the Jewish people. So I'm not sure, quite sure why this book gets that. But OK. Right. Um, so let's move on to our gospel reading then. Mark chapter 10, verse 2 through 16. Some Pharisees came, and to test him, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, 
For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Um, this is, uh, uh, it, the, the tail end of this feels very similar to um, uh, a reading we had a couple of weeks ago. Right. Which I, I thought was also Mark. Wasn't that also Mark? Yeah, that was also Mark. This is okay. important to Mark, this uh, treatment of children. Okay. Um, so I, I, I couldn't remember if this was... I, uh, it, it was the same gospel or, or, right. a, a, we have been another... with John. Right, right, right. Um, so let's, let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the elephant in the room on this reading here, uh, because yeah, we'll be blessing the animals on. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yes. Easy way out. <laughs> okay. Yes. Let's talk about the children. The, obviously that's all that happened in this reading. Uh, Yes, let's bless the children. Let the little children come. Don't stop them. Why are the Why are the mean disciples uh, trying to stop the children from coming? Uh, this seems to be a strange, uh, <laughs> a strange thing they are focused on. Um, but yeah, elephant in the room. Um, uh, the the usually in the gospel writings, when the Pharisees ask a question of him to test him, uh, it's like they're trying to catch him in saying something that he shouldn't what is the actual test here because it doesn't it's not as apparent as some of the other attempts uh, at least to me um so what's the what what's the 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 trap here uh of the question is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife he was i'm just checking one thing real quick it looks like in matthew and mark this is addressed the question comes from and the answer is addressed to the Pharisees in Luke, though, it's addressed to the disciples. Mm, OK. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, they certainly get involved later in this in this. Right. Account. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I won't disappear on that tangent. But what's going on here is that within mosaic judaism it is permissible to do for man to divorce his wife gotcha and in the way that it's described of you can the man just has to write a certificate of dismissal that mm -hmm. ends the marriage and off he goes mm -hmm. um and by the time the, that Jesus came along and the, the Pharisees had been in action for a century or so, there was a great deal of um, displeasure mm -hmm. with this, that people were seeing how men were exploiting this, uh, this privilege um, at the cost of their wives and children. Gotcha. And so the Pharisees were trying to tighten this up. And one of the things that happened that is still true in Orthodox Judaism is that, well, in branches of Orthodox Judaism, I think most of it, is that there's always a prenuptial agreement 
so that it doesn't deny the scripture in Deuteronomy about this process, but it adds on if that the man ever writes the certificate, the certificate has to say this, and the this is alimony and child gotcha. support. So even 2,000 years ago, there was a recognition of the need for parents to have responsibility towards uh, ex-spouses and towards their children, mm. uh, which sure wasn't true in a lot of other cultures and was not true. Um, Christianity kind of dropped it for quite a while because um, men don't like having to do that sort of thing. So right. the, the yeah. Pharisees have develop have helped develop this adaptation and they want Jesus's response to it. And they presume they're going to trap him by saying something about women's rights. Hmm. Because he's been talking a lot about the rights of women and children. And instead he turns it on the men and say, you shouldn't do what you've been doing. And in that way, they do kind of catch him because he does say, yeah, this is in the Bible. This is, you know, this is in the work of Moses, but mm -hmm. you shouldn't do it. Right. Which is what they wanted to hear. Yeah. So this is one of those places where the Pharisees do kind of trap him. But actually, probably the Pharisees didn't really want him to say this. They probably wanted him to... Um, say something they i think they thought he was going to go further with the alimony and child support issues mm. Mm -hmm. that um because that that was where society was going around them and even the pharisees were more liberal than the um divorce law at the time was or regulations mm. so jesus surprised them by turning it on them and saying, no, this isn't about women and children. It's about the men and their misbehavior. Right. Right. So he, so he, so he focused the lens on a different aspect of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It, 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 so then, so once he gives his answer, uh, this is when in, in the account of Mark, the disciples, they're like, all right, that's all good. Thank you very much. And then they get in a private uh, and they're like, oh, so Jesus about that thing. Uh, what? what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what was, I mean, do we have any ideas to like why the disciples like, you know, re-engaged this question? Like what was the, what was the thought process? Like uh, was, was uh, uh, Peter really looking forward to writing some, you know, like, like was well, one it, of them, one of them sitting there like I was mid draft on this thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's really and, threw a wrench in, in, in it. Uh, it, it certainly why? made the, it certainly made Jesus's message harder to talk about. Hmm. Because. So this it, is like his PR team, like pulling him aside. Like, yeah, you might want to, in, in, at our next campaign stop, we might want to stop mentioning uh, right. this. We're it, not polling it, well. <laughs> adultery, it yeah, adultery. It's the research on this says that this is a, a no sale. So gotcha, let's just gotcha. leave out the adultery. 
Um, but it, it's interesting that he doesn't does not say the adultery piece to the crowd or to the Pharisees. He says it just to the disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this, uh, I mean, uh, as I kind of uh, pointed to, these are these are uncomfortable words to hear, yeah, uh, and to to try to process because um, not that I think anyone would uh, argue that oh, you know, what a great thing. Uh, um, divorce is, but many of us do know divorced individuals, uh, and in uh, I, I, in my case, at least, uh, um, my experience uh, with a lot of uh, my divorced friends and family members are that they are much happier now, right. and in in many cases, in much uh, better relationships, uh, better fitting for them. Uh, so it's kind of hard to hear. Uh, that it's such a terrible thing, um, knowing uh, uh, circumstances that have worked out uh, much much more for the better. Um, so it's kind of a difficult thing to process uh, uh, when you hear Christ saying what a terrible, awful thing it is. Well, and that's why I, I circle back to where he, he what he's saying is, the way that men have exploited this mm -hmm. is the problem, not divorce mm -hmm. itself. It's instead that, well, I mean, they're <clears throat> part of the, the R-rated version of this is they, there were men who were marrying, quote unquote, women for one night stands. And instead of leaving a 20 on the dresser, they left a certificate of divorce. Hmm. Um, that it, it so people were abusing the system men and, were and, men were yes men were. Not, yeah. not people uh, <laughs> very very specific people a yes. specific group of people and because of the the double standards around chastity those women were now not great bridal prospects mm. and presumably did not enter into that marriage thinking it was for one night. So in, one could read verse 11 and 12 as expressly more expressly saying, cause he's, cause he's coming down on men for this practice yeah. expressly. Uh, and he does not mince words in 11 in verse 11. Uh, but, uh, he kind of, uh, it maybe, um, is hinting in verse 12, Hey, look, if women were doing the same thing, it would also be wrong. Right. Right. Is, is, is really kind of the, perhaps the way that he's, he's addressing it. Like, look, this is a, this is, this is a terrible practice and this is not, none of this is, is above board as it were. And men need to hear that message. And you know, if the roles were reversed, it would still be bad. It yeah. still would not be okay. Well, and, and one of the things that if we take this as a whole, that we can see Jesus recognizing is that even modern divorce, which is extremely different from what's being talked about here, is extremely painful and damaging, which mm -hmm. isn't, even though it often is the better choice of how to live. It, but we can't just take it lightly. Right, right. Both, both people who are considering whether or not divorce is the right thing for them, 
and how we treat people who are going through divorce. Mm. And I think that's a, a great way to say it, going through divorce, because it is one of the most uh, stressful events of a person's life. There are all mm. sorts of studies about how it's less stressful for a person to lose a spouse to death than to divorce. Interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. Which isn't to say if you have a terrible marriage, you'll be less stressed if you stay in it <laughs> or right, murder right. your spouse. <laughs> yeah. Let's not promote that. Yeah, uh... <laughs> that'd be bad. That would be bad. Um, and I'm, I'm a divorced person who's about to, to celebrate my 20th wedding anniversary with Kathy, um, my second wife. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I still vividly remember how painful the, my divorce was. Um, and entering into it with a great deal of hesitation and trepidation about what my life was going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I was in a, a parish, a Christian community that understood better than I what I'd be facing and was extremely supportive, understanding and helped, helped it be as, as good as it could poss- possibly be, which isn't very good at all. Hmm. Sure. Well, and with that, uh, and, and, and on the heels of that, let's bless some animals. Uh, yes, and, and make puppies. Our feet... <laughs> puppies. A much, <laughs> a much lighter subject for yes. this Sunday. <laughs> uh, um, uh, although, if you could weave uh, the the first ha- first part of this uh, gospel reading into your puppy blessing, uh, <laughs> I would. I, 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 I'd put some, I, I, I'd give you a tip. I think I, I, I'd, I'd have to <laughs> buy you lunch or something. Uh, not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Well, and with that, <laughs> in, in full defense of myself, I did not know this was the gospel. I was going to get to avoid by having blessing of the animals this Sunday. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to choose to believe you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but with that, uh, we will call to a close this year podcast for October 3rd, 2021, 19th Sunday after Pentecost in year B. Uh, as I said, uh, please uh, join us in person for blessing of the animals, uh, uh, hopefully outdoors, uh, as that is, I'd say that it's fair to say that would be ideal, and especially the That's weather. That's pretty. Kind of, the weather we've been having, uh, if we could duplicate that uh, yeah. for, for this coming Sunday, that would be It's kind of like the, the last big fall event outside. Right, right. So we well, are doing you're... trunk or treat at the end of That's the month. That's true. That's true. At the end of That's October. Um, but if you're not able to make it in person, um, uh, feel free to pop us up, uh, pop up our... Uh, um, our, our either live broadcast or recorded broadcast uh, when we get to it and uh, uh, bring your uh, animal uh, in front of the TV so that Bruce can bless it uh, <laughs> through the internet. <laughs> yeah, back in the old days, you know, the cats loved to sleep on TV, so it was easy. But yeah, now it's more yeah. of a challenge. They're yeah, now it's more of a challenge. <laughs> so uh, 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 don't get scratched. Uh, right. But, uh, Not but, worth but, it. Uh, uh, feel free to uh, join us online as uh, you are able. And uh, on until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.